Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me again today. Uh, I have a great lineup of guests. I'm very excited about my first guest, and so let's get right into it. She is Monica Goyle, and Monica is a uh, an attorney and a, a leader amongst advisors in Southern California. She's a partner with the law firm of TLD Law, which has offices. Oh, my gosh, they have offices in Irvine and uh, Long Beach. I they're up in the L.A. area. They have offices all over the place. They do a wide variety of legal work for business owners and affluent professionals and, and individuals, certainly. And we're going to talk about that. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of estate planning and how to deal with difficult issues regarding incapacity. So, Monica, thanks for joining me today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. It's my pleasure. Uh, you know, we've we've talked and we've known each other for quite a while, and um, I'm I'm excited to have you on here because I think the last time I saw you, we were talking about some um, some incredible, uh, incredibly difficult situations that you help people through, and I, I really want to hear about that. And I think our listeners should know about some of these things and how to plan for them. Um, before we get into that, though, Monica, can you just share with our listeners a little bit about your background and and about you and TLD Law? Sure, thank you. I'd be happy to. Well, um, I've been a practicing attorney for almost 20 years now. Uh, My entire career has been at TLD Law, which is um, a regional Southern California firm. We do have offices um, in Irvine, Long Beach, Downey, and in Beverly Hills, LA area. Um, Personally, I'm a mom. I have two boys. I I live here in Southern California in Cerritos. Um, I split my time between um, both Long Beach and Irvine. I often also meet with clients in the Downey area. And um, I really enjoy my practice. I really enjoy the firm and having built my career at the firm. And um, it just gives me a lot of joy to be able to work directly with clients and help them with their planning needs and to help them in times of um, extreme vulnerability. Yeah, that you know, that is one of the important benefits of being a professional is that sometimes you see people when bad things have happened and maybe they're not at their best, but you help them get back, um, uh, maybe right some wrongs or help them just take care of situations where they're being attacked or, or just get back on their feet again. So uh, let's talk about your area of specialty and uh in your particular area, what's a typical type of a case that of someone that, that might be referred to you, Monica? Uh, that's a great question. It, it's really, um, for me, it's, there's um, a wide range 
Um, I'm a certified specialist in estate planning, trusts, and probate. So on um, the most basic level, I help people with planning and doing estate planning, doing wills and trusts. And that's kind of a good situation to be in, in, in where people usually aren't in trouble or experiencing some hardships. They're just, you know, usually healthy um, young or starting to age and looking to do some planning and we're absolutely happy to help them with that but when you think about estate planning it really goes beyond that i really help people with um, administration when someone dies so for instance if someone you knew died i would be happy to help their family get through that difficult transition whether it's helping them even with final arrangements or helping them deal with the finances and all of the stuff that goes with that the aftermath um, I also help people with incapacity. You know, when we're talking about estate planning, as, as you know, you'll learn during the course of this interview, we do a lot of work not just when someone dies or preparing for death, but really if you do the right planning, you also prepare for incapacity and you try to prevent some of the hardships that your family might go through in the event of your own incapacity. Not easy things to do. Uh, there's a lot of red tape a lot of times. And, of course, uh, especially like you talked about, at the time when somebody passes away, it's it's not the time when, when the survivors are at their best. You know, they, they really just want to right. grieve a lot of time and and, uh, and deal with their situation. And thank goodness there's people like you that can help them. So let's, let's back up just a second. Um, we've heard a lot about the increased exemptions for estate planning taxes or estate taxes. Some people call them death taxes. And a lot of people might think, you know, I don't think I need a living trust because I don't have an estate tax problem anymore. That's a misconception, I think. How how can you help our listeners understand why that's, that's not so? Yes, absolutely. That's a great question. So a lot of times people, you know, you hear the word trust. Or, you know, on TV we hear about trust funds and, you know, trust fund babies. So we associate the word trust with being very wealthy and having to do that kind of planning, in other words, trust planning, if we are extremely wealthy individuals. Um, Certainly if you have a lot of wealth to protect, doing a trust and doing that kind of advanced tax planning is very important. But estate planning is really for all of us. And trust in almost every way is for all of us, even if you don't consider yourself to be extremely wealthy, if you don't have what's going to be a taxable estate, which under the new tax, the Trump Tax Reform Act is quite high. I mean, for a married couple, you can pass on a little more than $22 million to your family estate tax-free under the new Trump Tax Reform Act. We're not sure how that's going to play out over the next 10 years because technically that law sunsets in seven years. So we'll see what happens with the exemption and what, and also, you know, politics is so in the air right now, it's hard to tell what will happen depending on who's in office. But for an ordinary couple, if you want to call them middle class or even lower middle class, who might have their home, however mortgaged, some 401k savings and some moderate savings, that family absolutely needs a trust and needs an estate plan. The misconception is, is that in California, if you have just a will, a simple will, or no estate plan, the assets will go directly to your family. Well, it might do that, but it does so through extremely painful process called probate. And whenever you're talking about the court process in California, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of money. So even the lower to average middle class family that has their home, however mortgaged, and some moderate savings is going to find their assets in probate before it can get to their spouse or children if it's just in their name alone. And that creates 
a world of problems while it's going through the probate process, and it causes unnecessary expense that would come out of the hands of the beneficiaries. If that moderate family had just done a revocable living trust, which very similar to a will, sets forth in writing where your assets go, you completely avoid the probate process. And the even greater thing about it is is that you can do a lot of powerful things with the trust. You can protect children who may not be good with money. You can provide for special needs children. You can provide for children who may have addiction issues. And you also provide for your own incapacity. You know, you just answered about four or five of my questions. I had a a good (laughs) friend of mine who owned a business and did uh-huh. not have a living trust and passed away suddenly and left left his wife with the undesirable task of having to go to probate. It was a summary probate, so you know, but it's yeah. still it's not anything that he would have imagined he wanted her to do while she's oh, trying to get over his death. You know, it's just a huge right. inconvenience and a, a few thousand bucks of planning and a couple hours of time with an attorney would have solved all that very easily. So oh, a lot of absolutely. people have that misconception, right? That I, I don't have a huge estate, so I don't need that kind of a thing. But it's not about. It's absolutely. not all about that. It's about. It's about your wishes being documented and carried out without a court overseeing everything, right? Right. Not only are people concerned, you know, they think that, oh, I don't need it, I'm not wealthy enough, enough. but also they avoid the estate planning because they're afraid of attorneys and attorney's fees. You know, a lot of attorneys have that, a bad name because of that. And so people are fearful about what it might cost. But the cost of an attorney and doing an estate plan, although it might be a temporary dent in your pocket, is much less than what your family is going to have to go through or the amount of money that will come out of your estate if it goes through probate. Very well put. Now, you and, and your firm, TLD Law, which I often say should be, it should be TLC Law because you all are so great, you care about people. Oh, but it's not, it's you. TLD Law. That was the name of the partners. And um, let's talk about why you and, and TLD Law are different from other attorneys in your specialty. What makes you guys different, and especially you, what makes you different? Yeah, well, what makes us and and me different is really that um, we can provide complete support for not only an individual but also a small business. A lot of times when you see an attorney, they're oftentimes a solo practitioner, and they specialize in just their area of law. So you might see a solo practitioner estate planning attorney, and he can help you with the will or the trust. In our firm and with me, not only do I do that type of estate planning, I can absolutely help you with the will or the trust, but we offer so much more to our clients. We're able to, for instance, handle the trust if it were to become a bad situation where there might be an undue influencer or some kind of elder abuse because even though I'm a planner, I'm also a litigator. Our firm has about 18 attorneys at this time, and several of the partners specialize in different areas. So I'm a certified specialist in estate planning trusts and probate. But if a client of mine needed other services, including, for instance, corporate tax specialization, I have a partner that does that. If the client owns a business and needs some business counseling on wage hour, sexual harassment training, or any other employment issues, I have a partner that handles that. If that individual or business owner needs a lease to be reviewed or has a breach of contract issue, we do that because we're a full-service firm. So unlike solo practitioners where you might have to hire several attorneys and pay several retainers, if you bring your business here, we can handle all aspects without making you pay multiple retainers or having to see multiple attorneys. That's so important. So I, I picture uh, 
a client coming in and sitting in a swivel chair and attorneys just coming in and out of the room and helping them with their different issues. But, you know, the, the other part of that is is the time, the time it takes to tell your story to a new professional. And uh, right. I would imagine I you mean, all you all keep, you know, you keep the story on a storyboard for everybody to look at and say, okay, I get it. Now oh, I don't absolutely. have to learn everything. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, that's so important. you know, individuals and business owners, they are busy people, and they are dedicated people, loyal people, and they are consumed by their business. It's very, time is money, and it's very limited, so you're absolutely right. If you can seek all of your services in one place and have that firm know you inside and out and how you're, you know, all the different aspects of your business and what, what actions or repercussions one type of action could take on others, it's so important. And not only that, but we really try to make it easy for the business owner. We'll come to the business owner to help, you know, reduce their travel time or having to come to the office or their time away from the business. We really do everything to accommodate them and make it easier because we know that seeking legal services is not an easy thing to do. And I have had the privilege of working with several of the attorneys at TLD Law over the years, and they are top-notch, friendly people. So it's a great, it is a really a great firm. I, I think of it's like the original L.A. Law. You know, remember that show where oh, okay. where you just had yeah. a multiple specialties and everybody's just friendly and, and it's it's just a great firm. So what do you like most about your practice, your area of the practice, Monica? Well, I really love um, helping clients and being able to um, work with real people, not just, you know, big corporations and not just fight about big money, but really helping individuals, helping individuals in really difficult situations. Um, I, I find that really fulfilling. Um, it just, it, it, it helps me... Um, it helps me feel as though I'm making a difference in the world because when you see some of the ugly things that are happening in our society, particularly when you see elder abuse and the, you know, the perpetrating of elder abuse, abuse in our um, aging population, we have a lot of baby boomers that are aging, that are experiencing incapacity issues, that are undergoing some difficult transitions with their families for various reasons, simply because, you know, life has changed, you know, we're such a diverse um, country now and we have such diverse families. We have a lot of blended families. We have a lot of business owners who are, who are potentially divorced, have adult children from prior relationships, have new marriages, and those all present challenges. And I, I really think of myself as a problem solver, so I really like helping people solve their problems. That's wonderful. Now let's talk about... Um a client situation, maybe a brief story about how you've helped someone, of course not naming names, but can you give, illustrate uh, what you do with a, maybe a brief story for our listeners? Yeah, um, I, I think one of the most dramatic stories or illustrations I can use is, is when I help a family eliminate elder abuse. When we see incapacity issues happening with an elder, um, it, you might be shocked to learn that oftentimes elder abuse is not committed by a neighbor or a stranger or a caregiver, although sometimes that is the case. Oftentimes it's perpetrated by a family member, sometimes a child, sometimes some other family member, a niece, nephew, or cousin, brother or sister. And usually when families come to me, they, um, they've already discovered some, some type of financial elder abuse. And I'm able to go in and help them gain control of the incapacitated elder so that their health care can be secured, so that their financial security can be secured, and hopefully, too, we can recover those funds. Usually when we enter the case and we take some quick, aggressive action, including filing an elder abuse complaint, we can usually make a big difference to not only stop the abuse but to recover the assets. 
And that's really gratifying because I really like helping families recover those assets so that we can plan for the long-term care of the elder person who's experiencing the incapacity. When someone's facing that kind of a situation, um, at what point, I mean, I'm sure you've you've heard from a lot of people that just said, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I should pick up the phone and call somebody. I, I just Can they just call in and maybe talk to somebody like you and say, hey, here's my situation. Um, I don't know whether I should get somebody involved or not. I mean, I can imagine a lot of people are hesitant. Oh, absolutely, because these are extremely sensitive issues. When we're talking about incapacity of someone and potentially going in and becoming their conservator or taking over as their agent, we have to remember that in some ways you have to think of it as stripping that person of their due process. It's coming from a good place in that usually it's a family member who's trying to help that person and to be able to take care of them. But we have to be very um, cognizant of the legal ramifications of what we're doing. And if you think about it, when you think about a teenager learning to drive and the excitement that they have over driving, and then you flip that you know, years later when you're talking about taking the keys away from an elder because of incapacity and starting to take care of their rights and the, and the ways in which they can handle their own person and their own assets. Um, it's a very sensitive and um, humiliating thing for that person. So it has to be handled in a very careful way. So oftentimes I do meet with families. I, I provide free consultations. And we discuss all of the pros and cons and consequences of what action they should take. And sometimes the timing's not right. Or sometimes there are little things that we can do along the way before big action needs to be taken. And it's, it's a case-by-case basis. It's extremely sensitive because we're not talking about just money. You have to realize oftentimes we're talking about a living and breathing person. And that just brings such a different dimension to everything that you're doing, especially if you're talking about going to court or doing some type of litigation. Because people, I think, in this society are quick to be are quick to go into litigation because we're talking about money. And it seems black and white, you know, that we can fight yes or no regarding money. But it's not black and white when it comes to a person. And sometimes their capacity is borderline. Sometimes the capacity is due to undue influence and not actual mental incapacity. So we get presented with very difficult circumstances sometimes. So you're absolutely right about, you know, consultations and trying to figure out or just ask questions on what they should be doing and when they should be doing it. Yeah, and since we're on the topic of awkward conversations, I have another one, another question for you, and that is I talk to a lot of people that are that are my age, or I'm I'm almost mm-hmm. 60, and you know, we have we have elderly parents and we know that our parents have said uh you're, you know, you're the executor of my will or trust, but we haven't been bold enough to say, can I look at your document to see what I'm in for if you pass away because maybe the job is, you know, I'm busy. Uh, maybe the job is going to be very, very difficult, or maybe you don't have your planning in order. How do people, how do baby boomers approach their parents to try to get them to um, expose their planning to, to just to kind of see if there's uh, a potential problem ahead? Like uh, so many people I talk to have been become the executors of their parents' wills and trusts, and realize it's just a nightmare. They they wish they would have known something beforehand. Oh, absolutely. I think it just it needs to be handled very sensitively and on a case-by-case basis. You have to approach the person depending on how open they are. Some people are going to approach their parents and they're extremely private people. They've been through very tough financial times and they're very secretive about their finances. And in that case, 
a more gentle approach in just asking them where they keep the documents and if they've done it and if there's anything that they want to share with them can be a good way to approach it. They might be surprised to find that they start sharing things or they might, they might get shut down. And if they do, they might need to deal with that and then approach it again when another window of opportunity you know, arises. Other people are more bold and are able to really get um, involved in some of the, their parents' planning beforehand by gaining knowledge, by helping them organize their finances, by helping them make sure that they've funded everything into the trust or done all of the right things. So I think it really depends on the nature of the elder person because we, we see such a wide range of people where people are extremely sensitive, um, paranoid, or secretive, and then others who are much more open to you know, allowing that transition or letting their kids take over. I think in, in every situation, it needs to be handled sensitively and with compassion. And, and might it be that there's a catalyst to be able to say to somebody, you know, things have changed over the last few years. Not just the, I'm not just talking about the estate planning rules, but the, the laws regarding HIPAA and health care directives. And if things haven't been looked at in the last few years, they may be woefully out of date because there's been a lot of changes. So maybe it's just a good idea for somebody to say, why don't we just have everything reviewed and make sure that we're able to carry out all the wishes and, and communicate uh, effectively with, with medical providers Right? I mean, there's been a lot of changes in that oh, area. Absolutely. That, that's part of a statement. And, and another way, correct, that's absolutely correct. It's, that's a great idea. Another way that I have clients often approach it, especially if the, if the parent is um, paranoid or secretive, is not to like really directly ask them about their own planning, but to start sharing with them information that they've learned. For instance, you know, saying, you know, in a, kind of in, a, in an indirect way, saying, you know, I've started doing my own planning for my own kids. And I'm learning that, you know, I have a friend that this and this happened. And I'd hate to see that happen to either myself or to you. And you can kind of open that conversation that way. Sometimes it's easier to talk about yourself and what you're doing and to get the parent to open up. And they might learn something along the way, just like you mentioned about HIPAA or about, you know, potential probate if they only have a written will. They may not realize the consequences, but if they're approached and educated, then they might also take the initiative themselves and say, hey, you know, I really need help with this. And they may not feel threatened that way. So if, if is there a rule of thumb if somebody says, you know, I know my parents did all the planning and it's been uh, more than X number of years, then they should, they should definitely come in and have it reviewed. Is there some kind of rule of thumb when changes were pretty drastic in the past? Yeah, I mean, you know, in, early, in the early 2000s, um, a lot of um, powers of attorney and healthcare directives did not include the HIPAA language, and that is the Healthcare Privacy Act. So you might have some very outdated um, healthcare directives which allow people to make medical decisions, but without the actual language, they may be barred from getting access to medical records. So, I mean, honestly, if, if you have an elderly parent who hasn't seen an attorney in the last five to ten years, I would absolutely encourage them to have their estate plans reviewed and see if there's any updates. Because the tax laws have changed so drastically over the last few years, people might have really outdated trusts that require them to do some administration that they may not need to do now based on how high the exemption amount is. And there's one thing I've learned about uh, you and, and the firm TLD Law is that you, you don't just 
start charging from from day you know from the first minute you you allow people to come in and talk and have a bit a bit of a review before uh they they uh, have to so so people can approach you easily and without worrying about getting hit with a a fee or something like that right can they can they call for Oh a, absolutely. A, okay. Okay, great. That's terrific. Yeah, you we know, do free consultations. Uh, uh, and um, we also, we don't nickel and dime clients. So, for instance, if you have a lot of estate planning questions, we usually do it on a flat fee basis so that people feel encouraged to talk to us and to ask us questions and to make changes so that they're not charged for every phone call or email. That's terrific. Well, you shared a lot of great tips and ideas for us. Do you have any other brief tips, ideas, or precautions for our listeners today, Monica? I would just say make sure that you do the planning. And um, if I could leave you with one tip just to think about too is don't just think of people who are aging or the elderly. We all need it at every age. I even encourage clients like you and me to make sure we think about our adult children. If you have a child that's turned 18, you're no longer their guardian and you can't make medical decisions for them. So if you have a kid going away to college, think about a health care directive. Think about some of these simple things, these simple planning things that we all need regardless of age and regardless of our wealth. I love it. So let's let's let our listeners know how the best to get in touch with you, Monica. What what are the best ways um, for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, you can um call for a free consultation. You can call us at 562-923-0971. You can also access us through our website www.tldlaw.com and you can email any one of our attorneys through there. So it's uh website is tldlaw tldlaw.com and once Correct. again that phone number is 562-923-0971 and uh you know tell them the exit coach radio show sent you maybe they'll maybe i'm sure they won't charge a double for that so that that's a good idea and uh thank you monica so much for uh for all of your great um information for our listeners it's really been helpful and enlightening and i hope that you'll uh feel free to come back at some point and uh, and share some more ideas and, and strategies with us. I will. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 